Podcast where liberty is our mission. Today is Friday, August 29th, 2014, and this is going to be podcast number 380. Uh, it's the second part of the conversation I had with my daughter Kai. So uh, let's just get right into it here. Here's the rest of the uh, of the conversation with Kai. And that's the beauty. That's how this thing can be won. It's the only way this thing can be won. There's no other option. You can't win it by taking up guns and going and marching and fighting and revolting and you can't do it that way. Nope. If you just if you take a look at the word revolution, it says right there in the word Revolve. that Turn you around. are just gonna come directly back to where you were. Yep. That's the stupidest thing you can possibly do. Yep. You're just chasing your tail. Yep. It's kind of like um, restarting a computer. You know, you turn it off, turn it right back on. Uh, what changed? Still a Windows operating system. Mm-hmm. Right there it is. Same thing. Yep. All the icons are right where they were. Everything's exactly the same. Oh, sure. You might have, you know, you might have shut down one process that was giving you a hard time. But if you continue using that computer, that process will come back on at some point in time. Yep. I feel like we need the the who playing (laughs) (laughs) we won't be fooled again and yeah and that's you know let's go back just for a second let me check the time here and see how we're doing we don't want to yeah we're well over our time but i don't want to stretch our uh our visiting time with our listeners too much so um let's take it back just for a minute because there are some prominent people known uh among liberty activists who are running for office Offices, numerous people running for offices. And this takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying these people are bad people. Um, I've met many of them. Some of them are closer friends than others. Uh, at Porkfest, a couple years ago, I met a guy and then I met him again at... Um, uh, Liberty Forum, I think it was in 2013 at the Liberty Forum, a real super nice guy, was running for uh, office in New Hampshire. He won that position, got elected to that office, and I saw him at Porkfest this year, and super nice guy, has the best intent. I really like this guy. I've spent time talking to him. And so uh, I saw him at Porkfest this year. I walked up to him and uh, told him, you know, hi, good to see you again, and shook hands and stuff. And I said, how did it go with your election? And he said, he kind of looked at the ground and he said, I won. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And I'm sincere mm-hmm. because this is effort put into and time and money that you have invested into this. 
and now what are you doing? You are part of the problem. And, and, and there's this myth that, well, I can get in there, I can get in office, and I can do good. That's what Nancy Pelosi said. Yep. That's what Barack Obama said. That's what George W. Bush said. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. Now, I would add the caveat, if you are going, if you are in your heart a liberty-minded individual, and you feel like you should run for office, great, run for office. Take a government salary. Get paid by the government. Don't do anything. Stall everything. Every single thing that you can do. Don't. Put as many wrenches in the government as you can. That would be the only way that I can see a legitimate use for a liberty-minded person in the government. Is to be a nuisance. Don't try to achieve anything. Don't try to make anything good happen. You can't. You can't make anything good happen by using the force of the state. So just make them waste as much money as possible and be as much in the way as humanly possible. I would agree with that on an, on a government employee level, but I would not agree with that on election. Because to get elected, it takes a lot of your time and a lot of money from donors and a lot of advertising time and a lot of that kind of thing. And all of that is money and time and effort that could be spent on something good, not on something evil. And I think running for an election and getting elected is evil. Right. So I would say everything you just said, yes, I would agree with that as as an, as a government employee. But um, but uh, but I wouldn't agree for an election because I really believe that um, that getting involved in the electoral process on any level is on a practical level, it's a waste of time. And on a moral level, I believe you are aggressing on other people because you are a part of the process. It's not just that you're taking a government salary. That's not just it. Um, You are actually a part of the process that oppresses people. So, you know, um, I think it was Hess. That's true, since the very act of voting is an act of aggression. Right, because you're you're asking the government to do something for you. You're petitioning the government to act on your behalf. And so the act of petitioning the government to act on your behalf is the act of requesting government aggression. So so an actual vote is an act, in that sense, I would call it a sin. I'll be, you know, using the religious terminology... Um, voting, I've made this comparison before, voting is to the religion of government what prayer is to the Christian or the Muslim or the Jew. So voting... Only there's a gun involved instead of... Yeah. Well, voting, you know, if you think about what Jesus said, this is how, this is how you're supposed to pray. He's, and he pointed at the Pharisee and he, and the, and the Pharisee, um, stood out in the open, uh, wore very bold clothes that indicated that he was a Pharisee being the most devout of all the Jews of the time. And he would pray in a very loud voice, and he would essentially say, Oh, God, look at me. I've done such great things. I give to the poor, and I do these wonderful things. And that's how the Pharisee prayed. And so Jesus said, Don't pray like that guy. Pray like this humble person over here. That guy goes into a closet, or that guy goes off by himself, or that guy doesn't do his prayer in public. He goes off into a sealed area, and he very humbly and very quietly asks and says, I'm not worthy of this, but this is what I want. And that's what voting is. Voting is going into a booth and quietly and secretly making a petition to government. Mm-hmm. Prayer is a petition to God. And when you vote, you are petitioning your God. 
and that's what voting is. And um, in addition to that, the politician who is running for office is asking people to petition him into that office, asking people to pray him into that office using the religion of government. So, uh, so I believe that when a liberty-minded person asks people to vote for him, he is literally sinning. He is literally acknowledging the state as God and asking people to pray for him, to petition for him. And I think that is immoral. And I would, I would shame anyone, shame on you for running for office. Shame on you. That it is wrong, it is morally wrong. And you may not see it, you may not understand it, but if you think about it, what is it that you're really doing? You're asking people to pray for you to get into office when you ask them to vote for you because it's a religion. And when you accept that office and you accept that position, you have accepted aggression because that everything the government does is based on aggression. When you get elected and you're standing there in the state building or in the county building or in the city building or whatever it is you got elected to, the lights around you are being paid for with stolen money and everything that's happening is through your own aggression. And the, as the employee, you know, of, of government or the recipient of government money, um, it, you're not actually a part of the aggression. You're employed off of it. You're receiving the money from it, but you're not the one that can turn it on and off. You're not the one that's actually, you know, the head of government. You're, you're just down there in the bottom. And if you're disrupting things as much as possible, then you're, that's great. Right. But, but I think there's a very morally distinct difference in those people who are actually the elected officials of government because I really believe that you know, they're lawmakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they call themselves. And a lawmaker, to me, to, to, to point at a human... I don't understand how you can make laws. You can't exactly. make laws. Laws are laws. To there me, only... that's blasphemous. I mean, it literally is blasphemous to call yourself a lawmaker or to call any human a lawmaker. I believe to be, and I mean this in every sense, it is blasphemous to call a human being a lawmaker because law exists, and law doesn't exist at the whim and will of humans. Law, if you look at, you know, how does a how does a bird live? How does a turtle live? How does a walrus live? They live by laws. Right. And human beings have laws that we are that are natural to us, and we have no will over whether that is a real law or not. And to take it upon ourselves and call ourselves a lawmaker is literally, if you if you believe in a supreme being of any kind, of a creator of any kind then what you are doing is you are taking yourself or that other person that you're deifying and you're putting them into the position of a god because that's what a lawmaker is. Law is made by God. And if you don't believe that there, if you're an atheist and you don't believe in a god, that's fine. Then you were created by the forces of nature and the forces of nature made those laws. Right. It's not like Congress can decide that the law of... Yeah, gravity's been canceled. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, right. we don't like that anymore. Yeah, you know uh, what? Gonna... I don't like that whole magnetism thing. Let's we're just going to write a bill. We're going to repeal Newton's third law of motion. It's not. <laughs> Suddenly, the Earth goes whizzing out into space, separate <laughs> from the sun. Um, okay, well, we have kind of run out of time. Is there anything important you want to hit before we go? 
Uh, not that I can think of. I think we said it all. An hour and 20 minute podcast is what happens when we don't get together and do a podcast for a year. Uh, it's been hard. It's been hard. We haven't hardly seen each other at yeah. all. You've been traveling. I've been traveling. Yeah. Well, um, it's good to have you back on the podcast. It's good to talk, you know, like this because it's not like that we don't talk like this constantly when we're around each other. We drive, drive your mom crazy. We drive your <laughs> siblings crazy. But yeah, this is, this is kind of how our conversations go. Well, that's sort of how the podcast started. Was yeah, it just was. because mom got irritated at us having these conversations for eight, nine hours at a time. Yeah. And so we decided to record. At first, it was like 20 minutes. Our first few podcasts were really short. And then people were, I, I had angry people. Uh, emailing me, like yelling at me because we were only doing half hour podcasts and their commute was an hour long. And, you know, and it was like, if you're only going to do one a day, at least make it an hour, you know, you remember that? Yeah. It was funny. And, and I kind of felt like I was a little, I was a little uh, hesitant to talk. I was like, you know, we should probably make them like 15, 20 minutes because right. who wants to listen to us for any longer than that. Right. You know? But uh, evidently I was wrong on that one. <laughs> but it, anyway, it has been fun to do another podcast with you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know when I'll get this one up. I've got one uh, right now. I've got the audio ver- version of um, of my interview with Jeff Berwick that I need to edit and put up. And I've got, uh, what else? I think there was one other one. <laughs> That I haven't put up yet. I think I've got two that I need to edit and put up, and this will be the third. So I'm not sure when this will be broadcast. Uh, but um, also, I'm on the Freedom Fiends. I think I'll be on this Saturday and Sunday, uh, if I recall the schedule. And of course, then, this Saturday and Sunday might not be this Saturday and Sunday when right, this podcast right, comes out. Because who knows when this will come out. So, but uh, I'm fortunate enough that Michael Dean has made a spot for me uh, with Freedom Fiends, and uh, we're on 25 radio stations coast to coast. That's pretty cool. And uh, worms, worms. Hey, so um, I'd like to get Nima on this podcast. Nima has done a few podcasts for people since he broke away from Freedom Fiends, uh, and so I'd like to get him on here. But other than that, I think you have anything else you want to touch on? Jake, I need to talk to Jake Shannon and get him back on the podcast. I need to talk to Becky Akers. These are people that I've already talked to and talked about having on the podcast, and then for one condition or another has come up, and, and it just didn't happen. So, Oh, I wanted to talk about uh, the fact that the decline in... Um, the decline in jobs for teenagers. Oh I yeah, think you want to talk about yeah, yeah. Led to an increase of drug usage among teenagers. Well, since that's in context with the drug stuff you were talking about, let's let's hit that real quick. We're at about an hour and twenty minutes right now, so okay. let, let's hit it real quick and and cover that. Okay. Well, uh, just the the idea that minimum wage jobs, hmm. say uh, the the lowest paying jobs that are federally allowed and state allowed um, because they are so high paying now uh, it has created a whole class of jobless teenagers and young adults and 
it's funny because among working class people who have 18 to 25 year old children, almost all of them live at home that I have encountered. I know so many people whose kids still live at home and they're like 20, 25. Yeah. And it's because they can't get steady work. And because they can't get steady work, they have very small incomes. But those incomes they use on recreational drug usage because they don't have anything else to do. And they're well, bored. And they, and they don't have things like uh, house payment, you know, utilities, yep. all the stuff that comes with being a grown-up and getting a job and living on your own and stuff. Yep. They don't have – most of that stuff is paid for by mommy and daddy. And so they have this cycle of getting a job, getting a paycheck, using it on drugs, getting drug tested, getting fired. Right getting a job, getting a paycheck, using it all on drugs, getting drug tested, getting fired. And for me, I have seen a lot that when you take a kid and you give them work to do, they will eventually work themselves out of the need to do drugs. Right. You know, they may still do recreational drugs. They may still smoke marijuana every now and again, but they are not out getting all messed up all the time. Right. And so when you Because they have, have to go this, to work tomorrow. Yeah, you have to go to work tomorrow. And when you have financial independence, that means a lot to a young adult. Yeah. It really does. And it means a lot in a way that they don't realize that it means that much to them until they have it. Yeah. You know? It, well, this goes back to the whole ADHD and drugs and things. They come out of high school... And it's kind of like, well, what do I do now? Well, you either go back into school, you know, and, and stall. And that's all you're really doing is stalling growing up. Going back in, going to college is just a way to stall growing up. And party. Yeah. And so. And you, really, that's for the upper middle class kids mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. So, and the, for the poor, you have either just hitting the streets and waiting and, and doing like you're saying, live on mommy and daddy and have maybe a tiny little trickle of an income and then wasting it all on partying or, or join the military. Or join the military. Join the military is a popular one for men and having a baby is a popular one for women. Yeah. Have a baby get on, on welfare. And that's, that's the system. And so, you're left with these teenagers that because they can't work, because they haven't been able to work right. through this whole period of a very important Which is time in life. Which like is 12, 13, 14, Yeah, that's those years. when that's they when start they learning uh, uh, um, patterns of, of knowing how to work. Yeah, that's work when you get people. your work habits. Yeah. Uh, muscle development is taking place in that. Uh, not only muscle, but coordination is taking place. So, you know, that's the time when you should be learning how to do a job. And that's when you can't, you're not legally allowed to work. Yeah. Or when you hit 15 or 16 or whatever it is in the different states, you know, then you're, uh, then you're allowed to work. But you can't get a job. But you can't get a job because it has to be minimum wage. And there are adults that are 30 years old that are competing for those minimum wage jobs. Yep. So they're not going to hire the 15 year old. And so then the 15-year-old becomes 18 and has never had a job or never had a real job, never had a, you know, a, a steady, absolute, I'm living off of this kind of a job. And because they have, throughout all of their teenage years while they were in school, done drugs yeah. because they've had nothing else to do, they can't work. 
and been given prescription drugs all their earlier life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just leads them right into the, to that same pattern. Yeah, and then you can't get a job because you're on drugs, and you're on drugs because you're not working, and you can't work because you're on drugs, and mm. then before you know it, you're either in the prison system. Which means you'll never be able to own a gun again. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, there's so many consequences. It means you'll probably never be able to hold down a real job. Yeah, uh, worse than that. I was talking to somebody, you know, in, in this whole wedding thing was an opportunity for us to hang out with a couple hundred rednecks. And, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm saying that these people are, they are the salt of the earth. They are good people and they consider themselves rednecks. And I was hanging out with this one and was talking about this. And this is a guy who learned a real serious skill. And he's really good at it. And it's a marketable skill that he can, he in the automotive world, where he can bring his skill uh, to any city and really get paid well to do that skill. And it just so happens that he's trying to get a business going so that he doesn't have to work for other people. Because his skill level is such that not only can he... Um, do what it is that he does, but he can have a whole business based on it, and he can make some serious money. And he's done this business for many years, and he's really good at it, and so it's time for him to go out and get his own business and do it on his own, except here's one little one little catch. He can't get a loan, a business loan, to get a building and get the business on its feet running because he has a record and is a felon. And because of that, he literally can't get a business loan. And it doesn't. And he had a large amount to go down on this building, so that he could own the building and get the business going. And it would have been a prime location on Route 66, automotive related. It could have been very cool, very good place to have a business like this. And he can't do it because he can't get a business loan because years ago he was in prison. Years ago, he was in prison, and. And it's all based on silly, non uh, non aggressive, you know what is it called? Where uh, laws uh, where uh, a person is convicted of a crime. Oh, a no... non violent. Uh... Yeah, it's non violent. Uh, you know, it's 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 possession related. Yeah. Uh, one in in one case. Essentially, no victim. It's a no victim crime. Yeah, victimless crime. That's exactly. Thank you very much. Derek Jay's probably pulling his hair out Dude. right now, going. It's the name of the movie, Victimless Crime Spree. I made a movie about it. Which is a really good movie. I really enjoyed that movie. That was really good. Anybody who's never seen Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree should really take a look at that. It's really good. But anyway, so this guy has his life destroyed even though he did not aggress upon anyone. He is not, he was never even accused of that. That was never a part of the thing. It was always victimless crimes. That, that just some idiot lawmaker decided arbitrarily you can't do that. And so his, his life has been altered because of this. And now years and years later, he can't get a business loan because of that. Now that, it's unbelievable. It's like, okay, well, what could he do? Well, he can go into the black market. It reminds me of the scene in Monty Python. It's Monty Python, right, where they're trying the witch yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. like, you put these clothes on me. <laughs> I, you put this nose on me. I yeah. am not a witch. Yeah, that's on uh, Holy Grail. And they bring this woman before the priest who's going to decide whether or not she is to be burned. 
And so he goes through a series of questions. Well, why do you think she's a witch? Well, look at her. She looks like a witch. And she, and that's when that happens. Yeah. And then, and then they go to the classic, like, um, well, you know, I have a test to see if she's a witch. And he says, um, um, what... Let's see, I can't remember his train of, of logic, but it was like, what what floats? And the guy says, a rock? A very small rock? <laughs> a very small rock? No, no, no. It's a hilarious scene. But uh, but it's like that. I mean, yeah. they, they take this person who is not a criminal, mm-hmm. and they make them a criminal. Yeah. And then they say, oh, see, if it weren't for us, you'd be this dangerous criminal. And yeah. You made them a criminal. Yeah. They weren't a criminal. They were just a person with a problem. And now they have a much bigger problem because the state got involved. Now, yep. don't get me wrong. I am not pro-drugs. Right. Okay? I, I, don't, I don't think... I don't take any... any. I, I Unfortunately, I take medic, medication that the doctor tells me that if I don't take it, I'll you know probably die. So I take that medication. But I, I haven't... I haven't used any illicit drugs of any kind literally since the 70s. Yeah. And, and, and so drugs are a problem and and addiction is a problem and these are problems that can be solved using nonviolence. Mm-hmm. These are problems that are proven to be solved with nonviolence. And in fact, they're solved so well with nonviolence that when it is take Portugal for example, Portugal decriminalized all drugs. Now their drug usage rate has plummeted. Their right. violence rate has plummeted. These are things that we know for a fact. And yet people still think that the best way to deal with this is to call in the fist of the state. There is no reason to ever call the cops. And I'm going to say that flat out. Never call the cops. Don't do it. They yeah. are not there to protect and serve you. They are there to murder you. I would say, I'm, I'm not <clears> going <throat> to say never talk to a cop because sometimes that will get your head thumped. Yeah. You know? But I would say never never voluntarily talk to a cop. I only, answer, only answer yes and no questions. Do not explain yourself in any way to a cop because they will twist everything you say. Yep. If, you, if a cop is intently questioning you, do not answer. Tell them that you'd like to speak to an attorney. Yep. Do not ever, ever volunteer any information whatsoever to a cop. And, and you know, I, I realize, again, there are times when you can't strictly follow that because there are times when the cop will pound your head in if you don't cooperate. Always protect yourself. Yeah. Don't become a martyr. There is no reason to be a martyr. Like, for instance, I got pulled over. Uh, on the way leaving Colorado mm-hmm. uh, for speeding. Yeah. And he came up, and I did not immediately pull out a phone and began, blah, 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 I have rights, I have rights, blah, 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 blah. No. Yeah. Hello, officer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I won't do it again. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. Here, let me take your ticket. Yeah. Because I wanted him to leave. Yeah. Because literally what you have is a man with a gun walking up to your car saying, are you going to give me an excuse to kill you? Yeah. No, no, I am not. I am not going to give you any excuse to kill me. 
And and let's go back to our imaginary activist uh, here, who who is dressed in a way. They have the haircut that the government wants. They have the clothing that the people expect them to have. They have the vehicle that they're expected to have. They fit into society like they're supposed to have. We have that perfect stealth activist. Who is going to get the most done? I mean, honestly, who's going to get the most done? The guy who gets beat up by the cop or the guy who avoids getting beat up with the, by the cop but makes 100000 a year in the black market and then distributes that to people who are in need. Yeah, who are in the movement or, or even just a, a homeless person. You know, David Barker comes to mind. Yeah. Um, he does a lot of work with the homeless in the San Francisco area. And at times... It's it's literally he has had situations where he has walked up and handed a meal to a homeless person and a cop has came up and taken it away. You know, maybe the cop thought it was donuts. <laughs> but um, but but, you know, by w- w- with the activists that we are describing, this theoretical activist who makes a good amount of money in the black market. And then takes that money and pumps it at least, you know, take your own cut. You worked for it. You made it. It's yours. But then that person is able to do good with that money. Now, let's compare that to other forms of activism. Well, we have sticking a camera in a cop's face and getting beat up. That might have some effect that's positive. But it's true, but a lot of people are going to watch that footage and say, well, he had it coming. Yeah, he provoked. That's not going to convert anyone who is not. Who is already a statist. Right. If you are already not a statist, then mm. you can say, ah, see, look, but you're already not a statist, so I don't need to convert you. Yeah. And then we have the the kind of activism where the person naively says, oh, well, if I can just get elected to office, then I can change things from the inside. Well, not only the fact that that's what every politician has said for hundreds of years and it has never, ever, ever worked. Not only that. Yeah, Ron Paul. Not only that. Not only aggressor Ron Paul. Not only that. Not only silly, naive Ron Paul. You know, uh, not only that, but... Um, how much would you get done if you could make a hundred thousand a year black market tax free tax free not getting any of it stolen pumping that money back into the into to people who need it and there might be somebody who says okay well let's do both what if I can make a hundred thousand uh, non taxed and can't. do the other thing you can't once you put well, yourself in that public view, and once you There's, are on the government radar, they will watch you. Yeah, and you are just begging to have somebody look into your finances, and you are just begging to spend the next 20 years like, you know, uh, what's his name, Schiff, Erwin uh, Schiff. You know, you are just literally putting a sign on your forehead that says, jail me now. That's what you're doing. Yep. And not only that. If that worked, if it's possible for you to make a hundred thousand a year in the black market and go and become a politician and try to affect the system in that way, then how much could you get done if you would stop wasting your time trying to be an aggressive politician, put that back into the black market and and expand your business and do more? Yep. Why not why waste your time in a path that is proven to be a failure? You cannot reform the government. You cannot petition your God with prayer and expect anything good to come of it. You cannot do that. It is impossible, and it is, why not use all that energy and the money that you would have used on that campaign and all the effort and the time 
and stop breaking people's hearts by doing this kind of stuff and do something more more of what the other thing that you did that can make more money to pump back into the system support other people who are taking risks and are doing are doing these things instead of wasting your money to be a part of the system i kind of think of it as and i view the death of the state happening the same way the death of organized religion is happening. Yeah. Um, and the death of organized religion is happening. More and more and more people are n- not going to church, are not being part of organized religion, because it stinks so badly. Yeah. It's so apparently obvious what that is and the nastiness that that is mm-hmm. that people just stop. They just stop. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to go. Now, you can either not go to church. You can you can say, oh, well, I am fed up with church. I see that the pastors are all lying to me. I see that the deacons are all really terrible people. I see that none of this makes sense, right? You can see that. Now, if you go and protest... Well, you're going to go and you're going to sit in church and you're going to be like, well, I don't like it and I don't agree with anything that you're saying, but I'm going to try to change it from the inside. No, just stop. Be independently spiritual. Be non-aggressive. Be among people who agree with you in a certain way without having to have that. And that's what's happening across the globe. And because of that, Churches are changing. Churches are becoming more communal and smaller and non-aggressive. And because you, just like government, you can have a church without aggression. You can. Um, but you know, if you have a church with aggression, it's a bad thing. Jesus said this. He said, you should take the plank out of your own eye before you start messing with the splinter in somebody else's eye. And when you run for office, you're basically saying, yes, I know I have this thing stuck in my eye, but I'm going to go in and try to pluck it out of your eye. You you are putting yourself in the position of lording down on other people. Whether you'll admit that or not, that's what that is. So um, the other thing that I was thinking when you said this, when you said what you just said, let's imagine, and I'm not picking on any particular denomination, I'm just going to use... The Catholic Church, because they're very convenient for the topic. So, so I'll just use Catholicism as an example. I could say this. I could use Mormons. I could use Baptist. I could use Episcopalian. I could, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just that Catholic is a is a big easy target. Okay, so let's say you have a person who sits down, and they've they've read the writings of you know I don't know uh, somebody. Well, you know, whoever the equivalent of Rothbard to the state is, whoever that is to the Catholic Church, you've read that, and you're convinced that the Catholic Church is the seat of evil in the world. And there are actually people who believe this. So, so it's not that unusual. That that's one of the reasons why I picked on the Catholics. So let's say you've come to the conclusion that the Catholic Church is literally the seat of evil on earth, which that's what I believe about government. I believe government is the seat of evil in the, in the, in the human experience and i believe the belief in the state is literally satan i believe that and now so let's say you believe that the catholic church is that evil thing and that the you know the pope is the beast and all that kind of let's say you believe that would it be logical then 
to go uh, into a, a uh, Catholic university and begin going through the process to become a priest and committing yourself to go through all that process that it takes to become a priest, why? So that you can adjust the church from the inside? And part of it boils down, and I understand this, part of it boils down to what Rothbard, uh, Rothbard's attack on Milton Freeman and I've, I've picked on that before and even made Milton Freeman's little boy mad at me over that. Well, poor little guy. Why don't you go dress up like a, a knight and hit somebody, you know? <laughs> hey, is that a Renaissance <laughs> Festival joke? Because I don't appreciate that. No, he's, that. what's those people, the, the dedicated ones that, uh, and it looks like fun. I'm not saying that, I'm just saying, but they, they, they like to run the pen, uh, pen wars and, Oh, Scadians, uh, SCA, the yeah, Society yeah. for Cre- Creative Anachronisms. Yeah, he was one of the founders of that. But anyway, so um, so I was just picking on him just because, you know, he's a jerk and he's easy to pick on. But anyway, so um, so let's say that you believe that really went off the tracks, didn't it? I'm not going to start making fun of Scadians. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Um, so so let's just say that you oh, – oh, I know what I was going to say. So so Rothbard was picking on, on Friedman, and he said Friedman's problem is – or no, 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 no. He was picking on. He wasn't picking on Milton Friedman. He was picking on the guy I was picking on. Anyway, so so Rothbard says his problem is he doesn't hate the state, and, and Friedman said, "Yeah, that's true. He, I don't hate the state. That's the problem. Yep, that is the problem. You don't recognize what this monster is. If you really recognized what we were dealing with, you could not. You could not help but to hate it, or." It's your God and you love it. Mm-hmm. There's the only that once you get into it deep enough, once you cross the line and take the pill and how what other other whatever other you know euphemisms you want to use, at some point in time you will either recognize the state as the deeply evil thing that it is, or it will take the place of a God in your heart. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so let's say you do this with the Catholic Church. Let's say you really believe the Catholic Church is evil then you have to admit that becoming a priest and trying to change it from in, from the inside is a stupid idea. Well, and the Catholic Church is, is kind of a, a an easy one to pick because it was so powerful and it was so corrupt and it was so violent and aggressive. In most cases, though, most of the violence that the Catholic Church is blamed with over the years, like oh, it's the Inquisition, yeah, it was actually the state that and, was doing that. And that's the problem, is yeah. that it's not religion's fault. And it's the same, I've said this time and time again, it's not any of the puppets that the state right. uses. It's right. not corporations. Right. It's not religion. It's not government. Mm-hmm. It's aggression. It yeah. is believing that you as a human being have the right to aggress against another person. And that's what government is. And that's what, well, that's what the state is. Yeah. Now, government, you can have government. You can well, have a non-violent, voluntary, sure. voluntary, yeah. voluntary government. government. But you have to be able to opt out. Yeah. But, yeah, so the state <clears throat> is that religion that believes that there are some people who can use violence and it's justified, it's okay for them to aggress upon others. And, you know, that's that's what it boils down to. Yep. And we've said that so many times, I think we're starting to get redundant with it. But, but you know, still, that's, that is the message. The message for me, and literally the reason I started, that I took on the Bad Quaker moniker and I started doing this is because I see the state as the pinnacle of evil in the human condition. 
and I see the state as the only thing that can seriously threaten the human race, the human uh, species. And I see the state as the thing that, given the opportunity, it will eliminate the human species, and it may destroy all other life on this planet You know, as a side consequence. The state can do that. That is the ultimate, obvious to me, logical end of the state, unless human beings reject it. And to know that there is a tiny but powerful faction of human beings that are very rapidly understanding this concept is our literally our only and it's hope. not hard it's not it's hard. very simple and it's and very I'm, obvious i tell you this i i feel sometimes like again like that prophet that is coming down off the mountain but it is not hard to live an agorist life it is not i've been doing it for years all you have to do is just say not gonna not gonna give them anything yeah. not gonna not gonna tolerate it I'm not going to. And I'm not saying run out and join, you know, Renfair or whatever, because it's a small market and and there's just not enough room for everybody. But you don't have to do that. There are thousands of black market opportunities that you can choose from. Yeah. You know, there there are products that your average person would look at in an everyday life uh, sold at a store that could be on a black market um, that people wouldn't even suspect. You know, there's a huge black market in cigarettes yep. because there are places to buy them extremely cheap with very little taxes, and then you can just take them to somewhere where there's, you know, I I don't know exactly prices exactly. You know, oh, I'll give you prices. I can give you prices here in Missouri. Average price a little over three dollars a pack for the name brand cigarettes. And I think in New York it's something close to ten dollars a pack. Twelve. Twelve dollars pack. Now, okay. So then, why is it impossible to literally buy a truckload of those and move them from point A to point B? Because the government says you can. You can't. But there are people who do this. Oh, the mafia yes, does it are. all the time. And there, and this is. I mean, even in the the TV show. I mean, the movie um, um, Goodfellas. That was very well displayed in there as one of the basic ways to make money. Mm-hmm. The guys would – well, the mafia very often hijacks a truck and takes those goods and then sells them on the street. But you don't have to hijack a truck and steal anything. You, there, there are companies in Canada that make cigarettes that are only allowed to be sold on Indian reservations, and they're sub- unbelievably cheap. All right. How hard is it to get that over here? How hard is it to get that to New York City? How hard is it? It's, it, you know, it's not like you're smuggling drugs. Well, and above and beyond that, it, the black market... Well, I guess you are actually smuggling drugs, but anyway, go It's ahead. true, you are. Um, <laughs> above and beyond that, you know, you, you don't, you literally don't have to do anything illegal to be on the black market. You, it, what do you know how to do? Do you know how to raise chickens? Raise chickens. Sell your eggs. Don't get the government involved in it in any way. That's the black market. Do you know how to sew? Sew clothes. Sell them at craft shows and, and vending shows and, and, and that's the black market right then and there. You don't even need to show it. It used to be that if you did shows like that and you had credit card 
receipts mm, yeah. that those you had to pay taxes on those, but you don't have to do that anymore. With Square, that can go directly into your Bitcoin account. Literally, you can take somebody's credit card, swipe it, and have it go directly transferred into Bitcoin into your Bitcoin account. You do not need the government anymore. It is an obsolete thing. Buy and sell things on the internet. Like, anything that you can do to make income that is not government funny money is the black market. And that is agorism, and that is the way that you become free. One of the most thrilling things that I have seen in a very long time was uh, a guy that had a shopping cart that was made into a taco wagon, and he was at an event where you were supposed to pay to get in there, and you were supposed to pay to be a vendor, you know, put the vendors in a specific area, and I don't think I'm being too hidden with who I'm talking about. <laughs> and... Um, and instead of paying that special amount to get into that special area and get the blessing of the special group, he just had a taco wagon and he just walked around with it and he sold tacos and burritos. That's and- actually a upcoming uh, trend in, and they use social media. They use like Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you've got like. But but in his case, he was an anarchist among anarchists. Mm-hmm. He was taking anarchy. All the way to reality in, in, among people who call themselves anarchists and among people who say that they're for liberty and things like this and then, um, and then want to control who, who gets to buy and sell, you know? Yep. And he walked right among them and, and just did his thing. And I, I wanted so bad to just publicly applaud him for that. Yep. That was so cool. And, and like you're talking about, this is becoming a trendy thing. To set up some kind of a little food wagon, some kind of a vendor's cart, some kind of a, a you know a van or a truck of some kind with with the, a, a mobile kitchen on it, and just get out there, you know, use social media to tell people where you're going to be, and just pop up and have no one inspect your car and have yeah. no one inspect your vehicle and have no one give you a permission slip and, and have no one charging you taxes, and just get out there and make money and do it. Yep. And when you get caught. You know, be be prepared because they're going to come after you for punishment. And that's where if we had hackers who could make identities for us, you just simply switch. You know, you have just like uh, what does the CIA do under these circumstances? What does the government do under these circumstances? They just give you a new identity and, you know, move you to Phoenix or whatever. Why can't we do that? Why are we not learning this lesson? Why are we not doing that? Why do we have anyone... In our movement, in jail. Yep. That's silly. Yep. It's silly on our part. We need to realize that they're going to eventually figure out who we are and what we what threat we present, and they're going to start coming after us. And if we're not prepared when that happens, we're going to end up in jail. Yep. And and one of the ways we can prepare for that is by having a system set up so that, hey, this guy in this town is getting targeted. Hand him a new identity. Move him to a different town. There he goes. Yep. And now we can start back up again. And the politician who's running for office, who's saying, I want to get in and try to change the system. If you weren't wasting all that money and time and effort trying to get elected, you could take that time and money and effort, make more money, and give it to the hackers to help them make those identities. And then we could, and then you could 
actually make things change by doing that yep. instead of being a part of the problem. Because when you get elected, you're the problem. I don't care what you think you're going to do. I don't care that what your arrogance. You the government. Yeah, I don't care that you're so arrogant that you think you'll be the one that's not going to be changed by government. You're going to be the one who's going to go in there and not be polluted. You're going to be the great Ron Paul. You're going to be that great man. You, I don't care about the level of arrogance that you think that you're going to be the guy that can do that. Yep. You're wrong. You are just another jerk in office. That's all you are when you do that. Well, we probably ought to wrap it up. We've been at this now. I'm probably going to have to divide this into two podcasts. That's okay. That's, but yeah. uh, I don't. Or I might just post it as a two-hour podcast. You know. But anyway, um, whatever. So, it's your podcast. You can do whatever you want. You can put happy little trees on it. Yeah. Okay. So Kai, thanks for coming back on the podcast with me. And it was great being here again. I, I wish that we could get together more often and podcast. I yeah. wish. Then we wouldn't do two-hour podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so uh, folks, be sure and get over to badquaker.com where liberty is our mission. And thank you very much for listening today. Goodbye. Say bye, Kai. Bye. Say bye, Kai. Bye, Kai. <laughs> but I can't say bye to myself. I'm trapped in myself. Bye, folks. <laughs> <laughs>